If you're not already at the assigned reading for the morning, which is taken from John chapter 6, and the verses are 60 through 71, uh, please turn there with me as I reread uh, the verses as we launch into the lesson uh, at 11 o'clock. The gospel, according to John, as I've said in prior lessons, was written to help people to come to believe in Jesus as God's son. And so we have another lesson where Jesus is talking to some people, and we are seeing in this lesson, uh, in the comments that he makes, and in their response, how many times people don't listen to Jesus. They want to be a part of the crowd. Uh, they want to be entertained. They want to see what he's going to do, but they don't want to commit to him. So the Bible says, starting in verse number 60, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, and we'll talk about this, this in a few moments, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I, said, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of the, his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Son, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. I want to use that subject uh, this morning. Will you only follow when it is easy will you only follow when it is easy will you only follow jesus when it is convenient and it fits your schedule and your agenda will you only follow jesus when it's easy for you last year was a difficult year for many church members last year people's faith was stretched and some of us were stretched and we were able to maintain our spiritual integrity. But some of us, you have to be honest, were not able to maintain our spiritual integrity last year. And I hope we have learned from our failures last year to trust Jesus a little bit more. Because after all, he got you through 2022. Many last year decided to worship on the couch or in their bed on Sunday morning. 
instead of obeying the biblical command to come out and assemble. Now, I need for us to be reminded that streaming in the church setting came about because we were not able to physically meet. And it was not safe for us to meet. As a matter of fact, our government uh, put a, a limit on the number of people who could meet at gatherings. That's why we were doing the streaming. That was the only reason we were doing the streaming. And so guess what? When those rules were relaxed, guess what we as a congregation did? We start coming back together again. Because that's what the Bible dictates that we do. Come together. Not stay at home because we think uh, that's more convenient. Uh, that's easier. You know, some folk are millionaires now. They, they haven't driven no gas in their car to come to church building. They haven't given a dime. But I will guarantee you they are poor. Because they've been robbing God. They're poor because they have not demonstrated commitment to him. But they've demonstrated commitment to self. Last year was difficult for children whose parents made the decision to keep them out of church services, but still sitting in the public school. Now, we're going to see in four or five years the repercussions of that. When these fellas get to be teenagers and you can't do nothing with them because you didn't get the word of God in them. The Bible still says, train them up yes. in the way he or she should go. Right. It doesn't say that you train them up until your children don't want to come to church services. Right. Amen. It doesn't give you the outlet to say, well, my child doesn't want to go to church services, so that's why I left them at home. Mm-hmm. Those of you who grew up in religious Christian families, mm-hmm. could you imagine yourself telling your parents on a Sunday morning, I'm not going. Could you imagine telling them that and still be able to sit down? How is it we can come up in that kind of environment where church attendance was obviously important to the family to get now to where you let a 10, 11, or 12-year-old who knows nothing spiritually dictate what goes on spiritually in our house. We can't bring them to Bible class. We can't bring them to worship service, but we can send them off uh, to public schools where there's a mass shooting almost on a monthly basis. We're going to see when these fellows start getting a little bit older, they're going to be even more reluctant to attend worship service or Bible class. And instead of coming down here making prayer requests and whining and complaining, I don't know, but I'm going to remind you that when you could have brought them, you chose not to. So whatever it is they are now is what you made them. We'll pray for you. But if you can't deal with them, how do you expect other folk to deal with them? I'm amazed that people, and maybe you guys, people who want the preacher to talk to their children, as if I have some magical influence over them. You're their mama and daddy. Right. You raised them. Right. And so I don't know about you, but I have tried to look back uh, to see what are the spiritual lessons we could have or should have learned from 2022. 
And there are two things that stick out in my mind. Uh, one of the things that I've learned that I observed and was just reinforced is that many church attendants, attenders have little to no faith. Show up on Sunday, looking all holy, but when it comes to really trusting God, trusting God at a level where it requires you got to go beyond what's convenient and what easy, we failed. And we just went along whatever the world said. And we forsake the assembling of each other. Uh, we stopped giving as we prosper. We just felt we, it, it's just safer to stay at home when we very well could have been assembling. Now, one of the things that I need for you to understand is there's so much in the New Testament when it talks to Christians about giving your life away for Jesus. Now, I want to pause there. And Jesus will even say, you don't lose your life if you give it for me. Right. You, you, get, you get abundance of life. Right. But because we don't read scripture like we ought to, we don't study scripture like well, we, we, we just go along with fear. Mm-hmm. And anybody who strokes fear, we just fall right in line with it. But fear doesn't stop us from going to work. It doesn't stop us from going to Walmart. It doesn't stop you from getting on a crowded airplane. And now folks don't even have to wear a mask on an airplane. We go everywhere we want to go, but some kind of way, we just, we, we just going to die, Brittany, if we come to church services. So uh, one of the observations I've seen is that church attendants have little to no faith. We, we understand the church ritual of coming to the services. And then the second thing is that we care more about our physical lives than we do our spiritual lives. We care more about our physical lives than our spiritual lives. You know, th- there are still churches requiring folk to wear masks in order to come to worship service. Our world has moved on from that. I don't have a problem with masks. But we're not at a point where we need to be requiring people to wear them. If you choose to wear them, by all means, wear them. If you're not vaccinated, wear them. But we're not having somebody at the door trying to check to make sure before you can come in here, you can wear a mask. No, what we're going to be doing is advocating you get the vaccine. Because the world is is moving on post-COVID. And we're still acting like we're in 2019 and uh, 2020. There's too much we know about this now to be able to be safe. There's not a spot in our building you can't find some hand sanitizer right. for those who want to wipe your hands down. Mm-hmm. In the auditorium, on the, on the, uh, by the desk, the, door, the desk when you come in, uh, if you're in the education there, on every table there, there's a bottle there. Mm-hmm. And just we got soap and water in the bathrooms. Amen. Let's place some priority on our spiritual lives. That's all I'm trying to say. I need for you and I to understand that Jesus knows what it is like when disciples walk away from him. And many of us over the last couple of years have seen people walk away from the church. Okay, they won't say they walked away, but you haven't been here. In a year or two, you haven't been to worship services? And you say you're still a member here? But you're not showing up here, you're not supporting nothing, you're not giving to nothing? How are you a member here? So I need, and I've said this before, we, we, we're, we're changing our church. We're dropping folk who don't come to worship service 
and who don't demonstrate any commitment to the congregation. You're not on the live stream. You won't log in. You don't send in an offering. How do we know you're still a part of us? Jesus knows what it's like when people follow him simply out of convenience. Now, one of the things that was very vivid in one of the uh, PowerPoints that was done last year is just a change uh, from the first Sunday in this year to the first Sunday in last year. So if you were here, you would see we were digging out the parking lot. We had snow. And, and folk were coming up in here even though it was cold and snowy. Uh, the building grounds people came up here early to dig out a pathway for us to get to the building. And look at what God did on the first day of this year. There's not a snowflake nowhere near us. It is not cold. You don't even need a winter coat uh, today. Who did that for you? But God. He cleared a pathway so you can come to worship service with no excuses. And we still got folk who have excuses about not coming. He knows what lack of commitment looks like. Now, some of us need to hold up a mirror, and you know what lack of commitment looks like also. He knows what it looks like. We get caught up in people saying a whole lot of good things, but their lives don't reflect what they're saying. As I said this morning at 8 o'clock, <clears throat> we have a lot of people in our Bible classes who are always eager to throw their hands up to answer every question that, that, that the teacher asks. But many times they are convicting themselves by what they say. Because what they said, yes, it was the answer to the question, you just aren't living it. And those of us who know you, we know you're not living it. And so we're sitting there thinking, don't they know that they're making themselves look bad by what they just said? Yes, it's the right answer. Couldn't they let somebody else answer that question? But when you're caught up on you always got to talk, you always got to express yourself, there's no introspection that goes on. So, so, so if, I were, if I were a bad parent, I wouldn't be answering questions that come up in Bible class on parenting. I, I just listen to other people. Because if I know I'm a bad parent, the folk around me know I'm a bad parent. Okay, you guys must be hungover. No, 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 no response from you guys. Too much partying last night. You didn't come to the New Year's Eve program, so you, you did some other stuff. Jesus knows what hypocrisy looks like. He, he knows what that inconsistency looks like, where you say one thing, pretend to be one thing, but you're an entirely different person. He knows. And, and one of the things I'm trying to help us get on the first day of this new year, on the first Sunday of the new year, if nothing, stop being a hypocrite. Look at your life and then look at what you say and make sure they balance because we, we've come to church service enough to know the church answers to give. Yeah. Yeah. But look at your life to make sure your life is consistent with those answers and, and, and statements that you make. So, so in, our, in our text, Jesus is dealing with the responses of people to what he has taught early in the chapter about him being the bread of life. And so as he has shared with them the metaphor of the bread of life, he, he really is getting at the idea, you need a close, intimate, committed relationship with me. You need to be close to me in order to benefit 
from the blessings that I have to give you. But it means total commitment. And the reality is we have people who, even though they appear to want Jesus, they don't want to make a total commitment to him. They still want to keep a piece of their life to themselves that they can control, that they can run, instead of recognize if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to totally submit to him. He has control over all aspects of your life. And if you are a control freak, like some church folk are, where you got to be in control of everything, you're going to have a problem with Jesus. Because there can only be one Lord in your life. And it can't be you. It must be Jesus. Because if not, then you're going to find yourself trying to deal with some stuff that you don't have the ability to handle. And so you're going to find yourself suffering needlessly because you missed a macho or you miss macho and you think you can handle it and you're suffering all by yourself. When you got a church family that is willing to wrap its arms around you to help you. All have sinned and fallen short. There's not an adult up in here who hadn't done something wrong at least once in your life. And come on, most of you all admit you've done thousands of things wrong. And God's still blessing you and you still are alive. And that's because of his mercy, not because of your goodness. So there's a benefit in getting as close to Jesus as you can, not holding them off at arm's length. So Jesus, when Christmas time comes, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. But then as soon as we get past Christmas, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. As soon as a health issue comes on that I'm scared of, then I, then I pull you out the closet. Uh, but once I get a remedy or treatment or some medicine, I'm okay. Uh, if, if I have the financial issue, I'm going to call on you. Uh, but once I get my bills stabilized and the bill collector stop calling me, then, then I don't need you. You know, when, when, when my car is sitting on four flats. Okay, not four. Okay, you got engine trouble. Okay, you don't like that one. Your air conditioning blows out on you in the summertime up in here. And it's just too hot to drive, drive that car to worship service because I'll sweat out my church clothes. And you sisters, you'll sweat out that new hairstyle you got. So God understands. You need Jesus. So as Jesus is delivering uh, this message, there are people who just flat out reject him and say, Jesus, you're crazy. Uh, what you're asking, we can't do. Aren't you the carpenter's son? How do you have the ability to come in saying uh, that you're God in the flesh? You have lost your mind. We're not following you. Sometimes you can know too much. And it becomes a hindrance to faith. See, if we're going to follow Jesus, it's a faith journey. I think the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to strengthen your faith? Get more word in you. It's not going to come by listening to religious music. It's going to come by getting some word in you. Now, guess where most of us get some word in us at? In the worship service or in the corporate Bible study? You can lie to yourself as if you do a major study at home, but very few of us are disciplined enough 
to do that. Do you know real Bible study is hours, not minutes? How many of us spend hours studying at home? Or do you do minutes of devotional reading? And one of the reasons we, our faith is not as strong as it is, we don't study scripture. We look for uh, in motivational, encouraging passages and things like that, that sort of give us a sugar high. Okay, but once you come down from that high, you got to still live. So there were those who just immediately cut him out and said, Jesus, we're not following you. You're crazy. You don't make any sense. But then you had two other groups that we meet in this text who stay there and continue just a little while longer with them. We, we have a group uh, that considers themselves to be true disciples, but they really are false disciples. And then in the latter part of this passage, we'll see some people who are true disciples, but they still need their faith to grow. You and I are always going to need to grow. You never in this life will get to the point you don't need to grow spiritually. You'll never get to the point in this life where your faith cannot be strengthened. And we need to learn that so that we stop this. As soon as I can quote a few verses, I don't need to come to Bible class anymore. That's what we do. As soon as we can quote a few verses, I, I don't need to, I've heard it all before. There's 66 books in the Bible. I doubt very soon if you heard everything on all 66 of them. Right. <laughs> See, really, in a way, uh, worship service Bible is free Bible teaching. You don't have to pay for this. You just have to be disciplined enough to come up in here with a piece of uh, pencil and a piece of paper and take some notes. I know that's too much like school and I hate school. But look at all the stuff you learned in school. So when we get to verses 60 through 66, many disciples have stopped following Jesus. And in the first section, we're going to deal with false disciples. Again, there are individuals who think or who give the appearance that they're committed to Jesus, but they aren't. So let me, let me deal with this definition of a disciple. Uh, we, we talk about a disciple as a student, as a learner. But a disciple at the very core is someone who attaches himself to a teacher. Now, that doesn't mean the person believes the teacher, likes the teacher, is devoted to the teacher, or is even committed to following what the teacher says. It's just they follow along with this person. And we have for uh, far too long just made the assumption that everything we teach in our Bible classes and our sermon, everybody believes. Uh, we can't make that assumption anymore. No. You, you look at how people live their lives and you see they don't believe right. what we teach because they, they, they big and bad and they grown, they just do what they want to do. And nobody ever learns the lesson when you start disobeying God bad things happen. Some of, some of the reasons you've had the misfortunes you've had in life because you rebelled against God. You won't submit to him. Uh, you think you know just as much as he does. And we never stop to think about how to listen. Had I followed the clear teachings of scripture, had I obeyed, I wouldn't be in this situation. So on this occasion, we got some people who say, this is hard, Jesus, what you're saying. This is not comfortable. This is not easy. 
Uh, this is not convenient teaching because what Jesus wants from us is for you to make a commitment to me. A commitment that causes you to follow me till the day you die. Not a commitment that allows you to follow me as long as it's easy and as long as it's convenient. And so they make the statement, it's hard, Jesus. Who can follow this? Who can do this? And so what they, what they demonstrate is that they finally understand what Jesus has been trying to get them to see, that if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give up something. You have to be willing to be inconvenienced to follow me. You cannot be satisfied and comfortable being a worldly person and follow Jesus. And so they object to his teaching. They understood very clearly what Jesus was saying. They just didn't want to do it. Okay, church, how many times you have clearly read something in Scripture that you knew uh, clearly what you ought to do, but you just choose to do something else? Well, he does, he'll understand. He, he knows I'm human and all that. He understands and he knows you're human, but he also knows you are in sin, that you are choosing to rebel, that you're choosing to ignore what he has to say, and you're evidencing you are a false disciple. They understood clearly what Jesus was saying, but they choose to disobey. False disciples do not follow Jesus for what they can get from him. A false disciples follow Jesus for what they can get from him. So people who are not genuinely committed to Jesus, it's always, what's in it for me? What, what's in it? So, so if I follow him, I'm going to be entertained today. If I follow him, I'm going to see him do miracles today. If I follow him, I may get the buffet meal. You guys do remember Jesus fed multitudes. And everybody who was there got a free meal. How many of you following Jesus today to get a free meal? How many of you following and showed up today because uh, Luna said she's going to have some more of that soup today? <laughs> now, that, that's what was said last night, so I don't know if it was real or, or uh, just the hallucinations of IMC. But that's what he said. How many of you brought your plastic containers to, to get some soup? And that became your motivation for coming today to get some of that special soup that they were talking about last night. So Jesus uh, understands and knows that everybody who follows him or who appears to follow him is not there for the right reason. And I need for us to start understanding that so you don't fall apart when folk who you have seen come to worship service all of a sudden stop coming. You made the assumption that they were committed to Jesus. But what they were is committed to following him as long as it was easy, as long as it didn't require any sacrifice. But when sacrifice were required, adios. False disciples do not follow Jesus for who he is. The thing that helps us to stay with Jesus and to continue to follow him is that we recognize he's God's son. We recognize that he's Lord of our life and he's our savior. We recognize that he has done more for us than anybody else will ever do. We recognize that he's the only way to be saved. There is no salvation in anybody else. 
Uh, there's a lot of religious philosophy out there that says that, but it's not true biblically. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Now, that's not going to change because somebody else says something different. Who are you going to trust? The man who died for you? Or somebody who's just trying to get you to be a follower of theirs? In the text, the Bible says Jesus knew their hearts. And, and, and I don't think sometimes we recognize Jesus knows our thoughts yeah. and our intentions. Yeah. Guess what? He knows what you're thinking right now. Now, I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I can see some of you sleepy. I can see some of you, uh, you're, you're nodding, you're doing that head bounce. Uh, and I don't know about you, but when I get sleepy, I don't think well. I don't process information well. So I know if you're nodding up in here and you are asleep, you're not thinking, you're not processing anything I'm saying. As a matter of fact, uh, you're hoping that I finish real quick. So Jesus knows your heart. He knows how many of you right now are thinking about the meal you're going to have later today. He knows those of you who are sitting out in the audience who are already thinking about tomorrow is my holiday. And I'm going to sleep late. He already knows, those of you already said, after this service, I'm done for the day. The rest of the day is mine. So I'll see you all next week, if we see you at all. So since he knew the hearts of those people who were following him, and he knows our hearts, that's why you need to be prepared when you come to worship service, because Jesus is reading our thoughts. And while those of us who are around you, we can't read your thoughts, he does. And you and I need to learn to be concerned about Jesus, more so than we are concerned about what other people are going to say. You do know the people you worry about are just as messed up as you are. So why are you worried about them? They're just messed up, just like you are. Focus on somebody who's not messed up. Focus on somebody who can help all of us. And so since he could read their hearts, he also knew those who did not believe in him. He was also aware of those who did not have faith in him. So unlike us, Jesus can see through all of us. He knows even when we do good things, but we didn't do them with good intentions. You know, somebody can thank you for a gift you got them, and you know, I didn't really intend to get you anything. Or you do something around the house to be helpful and somebody is, is, is praising you for that. Well, you know, you, you know, that's not why I did it. I really did it to move stuff out of the way or, 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 or get you off my back. But I wasn't doing it. Uh, husbands, can I get an amen? Are you afraid to say amen because your wife is there? But you know you do a whole lot of stuff around the house to get your wife off your back. You're tired of her nagging you. Now, I know some of you scared to even say that. But God knows that's why you did it. Can I get one husband and say amen? Okay. All right, all right. Got one amen out there. So, so don't get mad at him, Tiffany, on the way home. He just told the truth. Because he knows God knows his heart. 
And, and so these are people who follow Jesus after the initial departure. But they're evidencing that they are going to stay with him. So this group eventually leave also. Because if you're not rooted and grounded in Jesus, you're going to leave. That's why it's important for us to help new converts to place roots deep in Jesus. Instead of them just coming and experiencing the worship experiences and not understanding. You're on the honeymoon right now. As you begin to try and make a commitment to Jesus, Satan is going to throw stuff at you. Uh, he's going to put situations in your life uh, that you are now going to have to rise to the occasion or you're going to fall. And if you have not put roots into Jesus, you're going to fall. So this group goes away. When we get to verses 67 through 71, now we're talking about true disciples, people who are going to stay. But there are also people who still need to grow in their faith. Anybody who is faithfully trying to follow Jesus will readily admit, I still need to grow. There's still much I don't know or understand everything I think I know. I need Jesus in the worst way in my life. And it's because of that dependency, that humility, that, uh, that recognizing that you and I are spiritually bankrupt, going back to the Beatitudes. If you, if you go back there to look at the attitudes that a follower ought to have, you got to empty yourself of yourself. You may be Mr. Big Stuff on the job, but you're still a filthy rag when God looks at you. And more of us need to spend time recognizing we still are filthy rags. I'm just dressed in a nice suit. Or you just dressed in a nice dress. But God sees who you really are. So Jesus comes up to these other disciples and he goes straight forward to them. What you going to do? Are, are you going to leave right along with the other folk? And, and we need to be confronted with that because sometimes we, we leave but we stay in the crowd. Okay, we stay in the crowd, but our minds have left. Our commitment to following Jesus has left. I'm just showing up in the crowd. And as a matter of fact, I look for a large crowd so I can get lost in the crowd. That's why some people like going to large congregations. You can get lost there. Nobody knows you. Nobody's going to hold you accountable. You can slip in and slide back out. Nobody even knows you were there. You ought to want to be somewhere. What's that? What's uh, uh, Friends, where everybody knows your name. You guys watch Friends, right? It was filmed right here in Boston. Cheers. Oh, don't, you know. Cheers, thank you. Okay, yeah, cheers. You ought to want to be somewhere where folk know you. But more importantly, you ought to be somewhere where Jesus knows you. So Jesus deals with them straightforward. Are you going to go away like the other folk? Because what he does is give them an opportunity to quietly just tip out. If you're not going to stay in here and be faithful, why don't you just follow behind the group that's walking away? And every now and then, people need to be reminded, uh, God is not forcing you to do anything. You don't want to do it? Be big and bad and don't do it. That's what hell is for. Folks who are big and bad who just say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what God says. So if you want to be rebellious and go your own way, just go ahead and do it. But just recognize you're going to die one day. In eternity, you're going to have to face him. And you will be rewarded based on the choices that you make. So as Jesus is asking the question, here comes our brother Peter. And you guys know 
Uh, Peter uh, was always the spokesman. He was always the person to speak up. Sometimes he spoke out of turn. Now, I need for you to understand that many of us are like Peter. We talk when we ought to be quiet. We are quick to make assumptions about how faithful we are. And, 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 and Jesus has to expose us. You remember uh, when he said, yeah, everybody's going to leave you, but I'm going to just stay with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. See, that's the danger of being overconfident right. of, of your faith and of your commitment. But Peter does say some good stuff here. Peter says, where can we go? Where does that go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Uh, there is no place else for us to go. If you walk away from Jesus, there is no place to go. So we need to make the choice to believe in him. He says there's nobody else we can turn to. We need some spiritual integrity as Christians to recognize there's no one else you can go to for salvation other than Jesus. There is no one else who provides the comfort and security that Jesus provides. Have enough integrity to recognize. So if you walk away from him, recognize you walking away from your safety net. So you're on death row, all out there by yourself, with no chance of your sentence being commuted. And Peter reminds us of that. There is no place for us to go. There is nobody else who has the words that will lead us to eternal life. If you follow Jesus, guess where he'll lead you? To heaven. But know that you're going to have to walk around some landmines to get there. So I don't think it's just an easy trip. You're going to have to understand how to navigate loving family versus loving God. And some of us are still struggling with that. You put family ahead of God. Some of you put job ahead of God. Some of you, the moment you start dating somebody, you lose all sense of spirituality. And you ought to reckon you've been dogged enough by these folk. When are you going to stop putting all your trust in them and keep your trust in Jesus? And if you stay faithful to Jesus, he'll send you. You don't have to go looking. I think I said some single people. I'm reminded of Adam. Did Adam have to go looking? No, God found him somebody. And if you're faithful, God will find you someone if that's in your future. Now, single folk, let me just look at you. Single folk, make sure God brings him or her to you. Because Satan also brings folk around. That look good. I'll just leave it at that. The large crowd only wanted to follow Jesus as a miracle worker, as a healer. They were looking for what they could get out of it. They wanted to be entertained. And so when your motives are not right for following Jesus, you leave empty. So people will say, well, I didn't get anything out of that worship service. Well, how, how, how did you not get anything out of it unless you weren't prepared to get anything out of it? So if you just come here to just 
clock watch and whatnot, and you're not willing to put your mind and soul and heart in this, you're not going to get a whole lot. But how can you not feel something with the singing that we did earlier? How could you not feel something with the prayers that were read earlier? And how could you not even feel anything with, this, with the, the lesson that's being delivered now? You may not like what I'm saying, uh, but it's biblical. And then Jesus will say, you 12, all of you all don't truly believe in me. And we know from just studying the gospel, it took a while for even the apostles, the disciples who become apostles, right. to get with it. They were missing the teachings of Jesus. They saw what he did. They lived with him. They ate with him, but they still didn't understand. So if people who are directly in Jesus' path missed it, what do you think about those of us who only hear this once a week? It's going to take us a whole long period of time to understand this. Now, Jesus is talking about the 12 who went on to be apostles. So I made this distinction earlier. Let me make it now. Jesus uh, makes known that he chose them. They didn't choose him. And so a lot of times, well, how did you become a Christian? How did you come to faith? And we're talking about I and what I did. You need to recognize he drew you to him. He opened your mind so that you'll be willing to listen to somebody share the gospel plan with you. Because without him opening up your heart, opening up your mind, you wouldn't be interested. Now, when he says he chose them, let me let you know what he did. This text is not about him choosing them for salvation. Which is what you would normally think. No, it's about him choosing them to be apostles, to be people he would send out to carry his word. Now, when you look at the state they were in, you can understand that they still had some growing to do. And we will make wild assumptions because you're given a task that that means you so talented and you so this. No, it doesn't. It just means you're being given an opportunity to participate in the plan of God. But the expectation is you're not going to get the big head. You're still going to grow. You're still going to study. You still are going to obey what God has said. And too many times we, 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 we take the fact that we're asked to do something as a license that I have arrived. So sometimes some people you have the most trouble out of are people in leading roles who don't understand. You, you need to be an example of what the believer ought to do. I think uh, Paul told Timothy that. And he even makes a statement, even though I chose all you all, one of you is a devil. I, I got news for you. Somebody in the audience today is a devil. Don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Make sure you're in line with Jesus. Make sure uh, that he uh, is the object of your affection. Now, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. But look at what Jesus did. He still picked him. Remember, he said, I chose you. He picked Judas along with the others, knowing what he would ultimately do. Why, Jesus? Because Jesus was giving Judas an opportunity to do right. He knew because he knows the end from the beginning that Judas was still going to choose to do wrong. But I need for all of us to understand he is giving us 
an opportunity. You may have been baptized. You may have been coming to the Church of Christ building for 20 years, but you have been given an opportunity to get it right. And you can be just like Judas, have walked with the crowd for a long period of time, and then you go haywire. Judas betrayed Jesus. When folk walk away from Jesus, I need for all of a sudden, that's a betrayal. And that shows you were never a true disciple. You were just in the crowd. And we will lose sleep and get upset because people walk away. You need to recognize if they were a part of us, they never would have left us. And so it took them that long a period of time to get the courage to do what they've always been wanting to do. Because we can't see people's hearts, we can't see their intentions, we don't recognize that, but God does. That's why some of you have gone out to try and restore people, and and they are just mean and hateful in how they respond. They don't appreciate the love that you're showing by calling them, letting them know, I'm concerned about you, I'm praying for you, blah, blah, blah. They just want to leave me alone. That's a complete turnaround from the attitude that a Christian ought to have. Because you ought to know that's a Christian's responsibility to reach out to a fallen brother or sister. We're just being consistent with the calling that's on our life. Because we believe we want to let you know we love you and we miss you. Now, if that doesn't motivate you to come back, there's nothing else we can do. But we at least need to do that. So people understand, whatever your issues are, there's still a place for you here. Now, you've got to determine in your heart what you're going to do. And so a highlight on the screen, Jesus always gives us a choice. He doesn't force us to follow him. So next Sunday, if you don't want to be here, don't come. Don't come in with your bad attitude if you don't want to be here. Hopefully God will work on your heart the next seven days so you get a heart transplant and you'll want to be here next week. Uh You ever notice when when people come to events who don't want to be there, how they mess up the atmosphere? It's just stuff, it's just like it just just comes out of their pores or whatever. (laughs) And and you say, if you didn't want to be here, why are you here? Just stay at home and let those of us who want to be here come and enjoy the time. But they, they just, the devil is in them. That's why they came. You remember, he said, I, I, I chose you all, but one of you is a devil. So the devil just simply do what the devil does. He comes in and try and mess your joy up. Now, how many of you have failed and he's messed your joy up? You arguing with folk who have no joy, uh, who just came there to mess you up. We need to learn how to speak to people and love and kindness and then move on. I'm not going to beg you to do what love for God won't cause you to do. You're sitting around begging folk to do. If they don't love God, they're not going to do anything you ask. They don't come to church service. They're not going to make a commitment. You got to love God to do this. And so what we discover is that we got a lot of loveless church members. They show up, they don't love God, because the moment a distraction comes along, that's where they go. And they'll give you all kind of good reasons for it. 
But the issue is you're moving away from Jesus. And you're evidencing you only followed him because it was easy and it was convenient. I know that when we moved out here uh, from Milton, for some of you, that was a traumatic experience. Because some of you didn't want to come. You know why? You were lazy. And you wanted everything convenient for you. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. You were lazy. You wanted everything convenient. You'll drive all over the city for a sale. And you, got, you drive all over the city and out of the state. Because some of you go to New York and Rhode Island when shopping and stuff like that. That's what was important to you. But your spirituality wasn't. Now, some of you all, there were a bunch of you looking at me now who your, your initial intention was you weren't coming with us. And you definitely weren't coming twice a day out here. I am thankful that God worked on your heart. And some of you need to recognize you're living your best life now. Those, those of you who like the Osteen guy, you, you're living your best life now. You're in a much better place spiritually now than the church that was around the corner. which takes me to my take-home points. If, if you're at the, uh, the, the active life, it's just amazing how people... Yeah, use my language. I need, to, I, need, what's a, I need to copyright some of this stuff. Got even a youngster, Kingston, doing that. But it shows they listening. We got youngsters that are listening. We got old folk that are sleeping. Or should I say older people? Older people than he is. So let me, let me conclude by saying uh, these four things. First one is that gospel preaching should demand obedience. Some of you uh, come from places where it's just weak teaching. And that's what you've come accustomed to. Some of you come from places where the teaching was not anything that touched your life. And so you could holler and amen everything that was being said because it didn't bother you. It was always talking about denominational people. Uh, and rarely did they really get to Christian living, which is when, when a preacher talks about Christian living, everybody get quiet. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us that the word of God is powerful. Two-edged sword. It cuts. Now, you ought to have some stitches and some band-aids on you. Because if you come here every Sunday and nothing cuts you, then you're a false disciple. Or you're somebody who's deaf. This stuff cuts me every now and then. And I'm the one delivering it. Gospel preaching, biblically-based teaching, demands obedience because as you're understanding what's going on you gotta obey it if you don't obey it you're gonna rebel against it and so now you're compounding your sin secondly Jesus expects us to act on the truth we know now let's be real can you say you're living the truth that you know and some of us just want to accumulate more and more Bible information. You're not doing anything with the Bible information you got. Your salvation will be based on your obedience to what you know, not what you don't know. 
Because the more you know, the more you understand, the more the responsibility on you to do something with that information. So you want to go deep in the scriptures? Okay, are you living deep lives? Or do you want you want to bring more condemnation on yourself for things you're now learning that you still aren't doing anything with? Jesus expects. And so we can be around people who don't expect anything of us other than that you show up on Sunday. I believe Christianity only works when we understand Christ and we follow that Christ. Which means I got to know something about him and what he wants me to do. Strong teaching or strong preaching will either draw you or drive you away. Either way, it's doing its job. Those who want to get close to Jesus will not let hard sayings stop them. They will understand, I have to change, not the word of God change for me. And I know we live in a culture where people change the word of God. We got a whole lot of stuff happening now that 30, 40 years ago would never have happened. But we have been, we, we have a whole generation or two that's changing what God has said about it. And things that used to be viewed as sinful, now are, they're not viewed as sinful. They are alternative, lifestyle. Stuff that you used to smoke that was illegal. Some of you now can smoke it and with a clean conscience. Or so you think. Because, you know, the word of God hasn't changed, even though the laws of Massachusetts may have changed. So strong teaching will either draw people or to drive them away. In the text, people are leaving Jesus. But the disciples, the true disciples in the latter part of the text, are drawing closer to him. So true disciples don't let hard sayings stop them from attending worship or stop them from attending Bible class. They are thankful that God is enlightening them. And yes, sometimes it stings, sometimes it hurts, uh, sometimes it requires you got to redo how you've ordered your life. But better to do those things while you're alive than to meet Jesus on Judgment Day where you can't do nothing about it at that point. So when people, when teaching or preaching goes on, there will always be rejection, which means people are not going to follow. There'll be temporary or shallow faith as evidence. And those individuals will eventually run away if, if they don't sink down roots because the cost will be too high for them. And then you have people whose faith will grow. And as I said, that's a small number. And sometimes you wonder, well, you know, why doesn't the congregation get to be in the multiple hundreds and things like that? Well, what you discover is, in, in spite of the fact that people say, I love the Lord, I believe in him, that's intellectual. When it comes to obeying him, that's when people have the problem. And so I end with a question. How far will you follow Jesus? Are you going to follow him until the next uh, snowstorm comes? Or are you going to follow him uh, such that uh, when the bill collectors start calling you, you're going to rob God to pay them? 
How far are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow him until the next sale comes along? How far are you going to follow him until you go to the doctor and they give you a bad health diagnosis? Are you going to follow him as long as your boyfriend or girlfriend don't break your heart? Are you going to follow him as long as everything is going okay in your marriage? Are you going to follow him as long as your children are well behaved? How far are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow him until everybody that you know likes you? Now, I need for you to understand, that's just, that's fantasy. Everybody who you know who even says they like you don't like you. Some of your family members don't like you. You may discover your wife and children don't like you. But you're the provider, Brother Brian, so they give you the appearance that they like you. You, So how far are you going to follow Jesus? I hope we're willing to follow him as long as we live. I hope we're willing to follow him to the grave. I hope we're willing to follow him as long as you and I have strength. Because I don't know about you, I want to hear him say one day, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to now make you rule over many things. But you're not going to be ruled over many things if you haven't been faithful over a few. So if in this life you're running away from responsibility, what makes you think in heaven he's going to give you responsibility? See, this is our practice field right now. These 50, 60, 70, 80 years you live, that's just your practice field. To see if you're ready for your room, not mansion. See if you're ready for your room in heaven. I told you guys that that, that song, Mansion Robe Christ, it's nice to sing, but that's not true. All of us are not going to have a mansion in heaven. There will be a mansion, and you got a room just for you. But the reality is, you all just want to get to heaven. Even if you got a shack, you got a tent you're going to sleep under. Just getting there will be just enough. See, we'll get spoiled to, to all this stuff here on earth, and you think that Life here is going to be the way life is. No, see, see, if you don't like worshiping God here, you're not going to heaven. Guess what, what we're going to do in heaven? We're going to worship the Lord 24-7. And if all I can do is give him an hour and a half, one day a week, uh, it's going to be mighty hard. It's just like, it, it's interesting, people will sing holy songs on Sunday but you won't listen to any gospel music no time during the rest of the week? Do you really love spiritual singing? If that's the only time you do it is when we're getting here together, when you can make your joyful noise? I know I've gone long, but it's first Sunday of the year. I'm trying to set the stage for what's coming. And then I'll let you know a little bit. Uh, what, what I plan to do the rest of this month is deal with the hard sayings of Jesus. Because I got some people like the folk who in the crowd that Jesus was talking to. This is hard. We can't do this. Well, we're going to look at some hard sayings to begin to help us understand we can do it. Because if God is in us, we can do it. If the Holy Spirit reigns and rules in our lives, we can do it. This day, you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make. We're going to give you the opportunity to respond.